I did not ration my coffee well, and I used up my last coffee yesterday. And so I was scrounging for coffee this morning, and I'm like, how is Mo going to work? How can she talk to people? This is going to be terrible. Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week, on July 26th, we will be discussing our favorite side characters. Then, on August 2nd, we will be talking about Dial A for Aunties by Jess Q. Sutanto. If you haven't heard of this hilarious book, we definitely suggest you check it out. And here's a quick plug for our Patreon. We've got bookmarks, we've got stickers, we've got a miniseries, and a ton more. If you want to find out about all the cool perks you can get, check out our Patreon. We hope you consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge shout out and thank you to our patron, Ronnie. May your week be as sunny as you. Now, on with the show. All right, welcome back to the Book Live Podcast with your hosts, myself, Mo, and my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we're going to jump into The Midnight Library by Matt Hake. This was a delightful read that actually has been sailing through the... um, Mm, what are they called uh the book chart things like the things that it's very popular extremely popular i know there's like an eight month wait for it at the library bestseller bestseller chart so like it's been sitting like real high i'm pretty sure it came out last year in 2020 i read it in january 2021 when did you read it abby hmm that is a good question hold on goodreads can tell me in just a moment here i started it april 22nd and finished it on the 26th (laughs) Wow, you finished. Yeah. Yeah. So I read this back in April. This was a, in my opinion, I liked this one a whole lot more than I liked How to Stop Time. So we read How to Stop Time, and now you're in the book club as well. Guess what, guys? I have recruited Abby into the book club finally, but we read How to Stop Time last year. And then we decided that we wanted to read Midnight Library this year. And I liked this a lot more than How to Stop Time. I was kind of bored. And how to stop time. Mm-hmm. This I was not bored. Yeah, I liked the writing style of this. It made it very easy to read through quickly. It definitely was engaging. It definitely sucked me in. I just it was it was written in a style that was very easy to consume quickly. Mm-hmm. Here. So this book came out in August 2020. It's been on the best selling list for 27 weeks now and it's only number six right now (laughs) it's at number six and has been on this list for 27 weeks and having read it i can see the appeal and why it's a bestseller i don't think it struck quite as much of a chord with me as it did clearly with so many other people but i definitely didn't dislike it if that makes sense well on goodreads here on Goodreads, it is rated 4.1, which is pretty good, out of 399,000 votes. It's still rated a 4.1. A lot of people have read this book. This is extremely popular. Oh, sorry. I was wrong. There's 400,000 ratings now on Goodreads. I was going to say, I'm looking at the number. It says more than that. <laughs> well, then, you know what? Google was wrong, and more people have read this book. Come on, Google. It was a Goodreads Choice 2020 winner. Like, and when I picked out this book, or when we picked out this book for the um, book club, 
had no idea how popular this was. Like it, we we grabbed it from the library, no problem, and it like took off, like it exploded. Like I think about February, March, and then like everyone read it. It's fine. Like I don't mind reading like a super popular book, and I don't feel I don't know. I don't really care about trend stuff. If it's a good book, it's a good book. I'm gonna read it, kind of a thing. Right. But I really liked this writing style a lot. Mm -hmm. And see, this is the first of his books that I've read. I can't say I really have any interest in reading the other one that you mentioned. Eh, Eh, you're fine. It was okay. Maybe I wasn't into it because it's more of a love story kind of a thing versus this wasn't really a love story. Um, He's really into magical realism, as you can Mm -hmm. get the vibe from this book. Um, This is definitely magical realism. So it was How to Stop Time. Mm-hmm. And actually, he typically, so when I was doing some nosy nosy research about him, he's more of a like young reader, young adult novelist, and he's just started branching into adult novels um, recently, which makes sense. His writing to me is a very easy to consume writing, even though this was a pretty heavy book, especially in the beginning was heavy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I appreciate if you're going to tackle heavier topics that you write in a way that's easier to consume. I'm not a huge fan of the long-winded narrator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like sometimes I can stomach it just fine, but a lot of the time I'm just like, this is, this is too much. I didn't need you to describe every blade of grass. Thanks. Why not? Why don't you want to know every single blade of grass in the scarlet letter and the outfit that she wore in that chapter about the rose man? Oh, you know a book I'm talking about, right? <laughs> You've read this book. You know how I know? Because you went the same high school I went to. Uh, oh, The Scarlet Letter? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Don't you remember the whole chapter about the rose? I, I'm going to tell you something. Oh. The majority of the books that we were assigned to read in high school, I did not read. Did not read this book? This was a summer read. And you know what I still passed the English classes with? Abby. (laughs) I am very good at paying attention in class, reading spark notes, and taking tests and writing papers. Yeah, I I as well excelled in my English classes. So like The Scarlet Letter and uh, Lord of the Flies and... Tales of Two Cities, which is what my class decided they wanted to read. Oh, my God. Really? Oh, I did not read any of those books. (laughs) We we chose Frankenstein, and it was awesome. Um, I liked reading that one. And I actually like Lord of the Flies. Like, it was a a weird-ass book, but it was really engrossing and interesting. I I, I will say, I did start reading each of them. I just didn't care enough about it to actually get past a couple chapters in. So like The Great Gatsby, I didn't finish either. I don't even think I got through the first chapter of that one. Oh, I read that one. I like that one too. I'm just, I was not a fan of the literature I was being assigned in high school. <laughs> I understand that. I can't remember everything we read at all. I don't know. Like I said, I'm just very good at paying attention in class and reading spark notes and writing my papers. Good job, Abby. Very proud of you. Good job. Thank you. 
They never knew. Apparently not. And you got A's. <laughs> it's okay. None of my old English teachers are listening to this podcast, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> they should listen to us because we're awesome. This is what we have graduated to, guys. Making a podcast. <laughs> Aren't you proud of us? I am. <laughs> not I am proud of us, too. Not that we do super deep podcasts, but I love talking about books with you, and I like digging into our topics. So I got some fun facts that I dug out of the internet about this book. Oh, fun. I love fun facts. Okay. The Midnight Library was um, adapted for radio and broadcast in in 10 episodes on BBC Radio 4 in December 2020, Hmm. which I thought was exciting. I'm like, ooh, I want to find that. Yeah. Because I listened to The Sleeper in the Spindle, which we did a collaboration podcast on, and I actually got to listen to a BBC Radio production of it. BBC Radio is awesome. They do such a good job. Like, A-plus to BBC Radio for doing such good radio shows. Did you know The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy started off on BBC Radio before it was a book? I think we've talked about that. I think we'd have to, but just going to reiterate that. That BBC Radio does a good job for... Dramas, drama sensations, drama does a good job making radio shows. There we go. <laughs> Out of books. Matt Haig lives in Sussex, England, and homeschools his two, two children with his wife, which is why he um, is primarily a young reader and young adult author. And he has now sold over 3 million books worldwide. And one of his books was translated in 40 different languages. And I would not be surprised if the Midnight Library also gets that same treatment. That would not surprise me at all, considering what a big hit it is. Yeah. All right, Abby, can you lead us into the summary? Sure. And this summary I pulled straight from Goodreads because mm, it's so good. I I couldn't improve upon it. Mm, I like that. Between life and death, there is a library, and within that library, the shelves go on forever. Every book provides a chance to try another life you could have lived, to see how things would have been if you had made other choices. Would you have done anything different if you had the chance to undo your regrets? I just love that. Mm -hmm. Because it's such a good description of this book without really telling you what the book's about. (laughs) Right. I agree with that completely. We should talk characters. So, of course, we have Nora Seed, who is our protagonist. And she is the one who ends up going to the Midnight Library. The only way to get to a place like the Midnight Library is to be hanging somewhere between life and death. The librarian is Mrs. Louise Isabel Elm. And she is actually the librarian from Nora's childhood school, but a representation of her is what is in the Midnight Library. There is Ash, who is one of Nora's neighbors and finds Nora's dead cats. Neil is the owner of String Theory, where Nora works. Joe is Nora's brother. Ravi is one of Joe's friends and a member of the Labyrinth Band, which... Joe and Nora were a part of. Dan is Nora's ex-fiance. Izzy is Nora's one-time best friend who currently lives in Australia. Leo is Nora's piano student. Mr. Banerjee is Nora's elderly neighbor. Uh, Jeff is Nora's dad. And Hugo is another slider like Nora 
slipping between different lives. So those are the characters of the Midnight Library. And when we come back, we will be talking about our favorites, our least favorites, the scenes we liked and disliked. And we might even talk about which lives we liked best and least. Talk to you in a minute, guys. Hi, I'm Bethany Finger, the host of Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. Join me every week during my read-along journey through all of the books by author Marissa Meyer, one chapter at a time, spoiler-free. Each episode will feature a different guest, new fan art, and laughter and joy through reading. You can find Prince Kai Fan Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other listening platforms. And now, back to the show. Welcome back, guys. And remember, this half is spoilers. So if you've not read The Midnight Library by Matt Haig, please pause right here, go read the book, and then come back and talk to us. Unless you really don't care about spoilers, and then feel free to keep listening. Mm -hmm. So tell me about your favorite characters, Mel. Okay. So... Nora was a very interesting character, and I have a deep pause and heavy sigh as I think about her, because in the beginning, I was like, I don't know about this chick, and then we get into, like, her first alternate life, and I'm like, mm, I don't know about this chick, and then we start getting deeper, and I didn't really start liking her until she stood on the stage while she was giving the, not a TED talk, but like a life inspirational talk um, as a swimmer. And I was like, that speech, I was like, okay, all right, I'm on team Nora. Here we go. And then when she sang Bridge Over Troubled Water as a singer, I was like, okay, I'm feeling you, girl. Okay. And then we got deeper and I might be out of order with it, which is fine. But then, like, the final peg in the I'm on Team Nora was when she was in Iceland, right? Iceland? Yeah. Or wherever. Somewhere up north. And she's on this research thing, and she has to stand down against a polar bear. And I'm like, okay. Yep. I'm here for this. I'm I'm like, okay, let's go for this. But throughout the whole thing, we go from a very... Blase, kind of blah, boring, just depressing character who, as she works through the book of regrets, like I really started to emphasize with her and appreciate her character growth. And it's like, you know, you grow with her throughout the novel. And I feel like as her perspective changes, so does her take on the stories and what she tries to do. And I don't know, like, I think that was something that really got me with this book was the journey and why I loved it so much is because I went from not liking her to she's my favorite character of the book um, towards the end. And I think that means a lot to me because if I don't immediately like somebody in a book, I kind of just don't like them at all. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And then I loved all the different versions of Joe that we had. Um, I loved whenever he was in a story. He was a great side character. He was just as interesting as Nora. I thought they were, like, really great sibling dynamics. And the fact that he, you know, was, you know, they had a family squabble, but he was right there when she needed him at the end of the story. And it was like, all right, like, that's, you know, they were able to set aside her differences. And, like, you know, she saw that throughout all of the different lies. Like, yeah, this is my brother. Like, even though we don't agree right now, 
it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And this other character I like was from my favorite life, probably, that she lived. But the, it was Ash. I thought he's, I think he's a doctor. He, we meet him first when he's out running and he finds Nora's um, cat passed away on the street and brings him back to her. You know, just that scene, I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, I like you. Like, you seem like a really sweet guy. And, you know, then we learn that Nora actually takes a chance on him and they get together and they have a daughter named Molly. And I loved everything about that life. Like, it was the, not the most, I guess I liked it because I just identified with it. It wasn't the most glamorous life. She wasn't rich. She wasn't famous. But she was happy and she had a family. Ash was an amazing husband to her. And I just really appreciated just just this happy marriage and her bonding with Molly and going, you know what, like, and I don't know. I felt like that chapter really helped also turn her around uh, in the sense of she wanted to live because initially she had committed suicide and she was ready to just die. And she was like, no, like life is beautiful. Even though I didn't get this, you know, there's still possibilities because she still could get with Ash. Maybe not have Molly, but They'll make life with him later. Yeah. So I agree with everything you said about Joe. He was probably one of my favorite recurring characters throughout this. It's just, he was such a good brother. Mm-hmm. And despite the squabbles in every life where he was alive, he was there for her in some capacity. And I loved how in her root life, as soon as he got the call that she was in the hospital, he dropped everything and came down, even though they hadn't talked in a couple of years. And so it's just like, I appreciate his steadfastness. I appreciate how he's there for her because if their situation had been reversed, she for sure would have done the exact same thing, dropped everything and run to the hospital to see him. So just supportive brother for the win. <laughs> There's something wholesome about supportive family, you know? Yes, I really enjoy supportive families in books. They're just, they're so wholesome. And you see them so rarely for some reason. I also really loved Mrs. Elm. And I know she was just like a magical figment in uh, Nora's brain. But I love the image of this knowledgeable, mysterious librarian in this magical library. I just love that concept. And so I was really drawn to Mrs. Elm. I did appreciate that. And every time we got to go back and see her, I was like, oh, yay, more librarian. I'm trying to think of how I want to say it. Like, I liked both Mrs. Elms, but I really liked the Mrs. Elm in the library. You know what I mean? Like, she really pushed Nora to, you know, and she's like, Yes. You have regrets. You need to do these things. Where do you want to? And she like really guided her and pushed her. And she's like, come on, girl. Like, come on, we're going to do this. You know? Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, I appreciate the actual Mrs. Elm for being there for Nora when she was young. And I liked how they wrapped up that storyline of Nora actually getting to go back and see her and play chess with her again. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think... Of the two Mrs. Elms, the real one and the imagination version, the imagination version was really instrumental in this book. I agree. I just, it's kind of back to 
I like this really wholesome character. She was just one of those characters where if you didn't like her, you got a problem. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, what about your least favorite characters? Who did you not like? I hated Hugo. Just, what a pathetic piece of work. Did not like. Zero out of ten. Would not recommend. I, I couldn't believe she slept with him. I was like, are you insane? Why? Why are you sleeping with him? I don't understand. I didn't feel any connection between the two. And he was a trash human anyways. And I was just like, what is going on? Why are we wasting time with this one? Oh, he sucked. He just sucked. He was terrible. Also, I absolutely hated Dan. Yeah. I saw so many red flags and I was so pissed that the first life she chose was to go back and actually marry him and get there in and everything. I'm like, honey, you didn't marry him for a reason. Red flags, red flags, like confetti. <laughs> you're like, you're like, seriously, you're like, why are you doing red flags this? Like confetti falling all around. And she goes, yes, I want to try that life. And I went, that was a poor choice. <laughs> and, we're, and we're all like, really? Do you really want that life? I, I'll be honest. I was very frustrated with her for a lot of this book because she kept choosing lives that made me go, why? Why are you choosing this one? I can understand that. Like I, like I told, like, I mean, like in the beginning, like the first initial chapters were like, what the hell's going on? Okay, never at the library, then it's fine. And then we get to... Oh, let's own the tavern or pub or whatever it was. And I was like, eh, not feeling this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I just, it felt like a bad place to start. And I was just going, this isn't going to end well. Like, so going through her initial life and like you're finding out, obviously, some of her biggest regrets my first thought was, why didn't you immediately go to the one where you stayed in the band? Like, I wanted to know what happened with that one. That's what I was curious about. And she decided to go own a pub with her ex-fiance. Like, what? So I was just, I was not thrilled. And he was human trash. And I don't like men like that. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and it wasn't really, like, I kind of get why she started there, because she, she just didn't know. And she's like, well, you know, this was my most recent. Wasn't he her most recent breakup or something? Yeah, I mean, like, she hadn't had a boyfriend since him, I don't think. Yeah, and I, so I kind of get why she started there, but it was also like, Ugh. Yeah, but he was you so crappy I mean? to her before they were even engaged. Like, ugh. I just, I know. I hated it so much. I hated that she started there. I'm glad it ended so quickly. Me too. Because, like I said, the beginning was kind of rough. And I was like, mm, I was not so sure she likes this book. I hope it gets better. Is it going to get better? Mm. And then it got better. And that was fine. Yeah. All right. So who else did you not like? Like all the guys. Like, seriously, I don't like anyone. I only like Joe and Ash. Screw every other male character in this book. <laughs> It's written by a male author, and I hated all the guys. Like, Hugo was trash. 
Like, I'm like, I'm like, don't sleep with him. Ew, you know, stop that. Um, Dan was trash. Um, Ravi was kind of a dick in a, most of the lives. Like, I just did not feel Ravi at all. Yeah. And he was supposed to be like Joe and her's best friend and in the band together. Well, he was Joe's best friend. Yeah, well, yeah. He kind of tolerated. Um, or you're right. Yeah. I didn't really like Joanna, which was the, um, oh, what is she called? A publicist or agent? Yeah. A band manager yeah. of some sort. Then wasn't into her. Um, didn't like Ryan, which was her famous boyfriend. And I was like, ew. Okay. Um, kind mm-hmm. of did not like her dad either. Jeff? Nope. Hard pass on him too. Yeah, I wasn't thrilled with her dad either. I was like, yeah, that life where her dad was still alive just made me go, wow, he's a trash human. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm glad she got that closure, but her dad's trash. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Pretty much every guy in this book sucks, except for Ash, Joe, and her elderly neighbor guy. Mm, you're right. I didn't count him. He's just too old. I was like, yeah, yeah. You're not really relevant to the story as much. But I, I don't know. And I mean, so that's one thing I do say as well, is that for a male author to write as a female, I mean, my my belief was suspended in the fact that this was written by a guy. Because like I read another book, I think it was Artemis by Andy Weir, maybe. Yeah. definitely could tell it was a male author who wrote as a female and i was like oh i was like okay interesting book I, I liked it but it was definitely like you're definitely a guy writing this book got it it's okay yeah i feel like authors really need to be self-aware if they can actually write as the opposite gender because not all authors can do it but i agree that this author did very well it's like that lovely internet meme that goes around where the woman gets stopped at the airport and they're checking her and she secretly has a whole package shoved up her uh, where the sun don't shine kind of region. It's at the front way, not the back way. And you're like, you're like, come you're like, like a secret storage area. Like, seriously, you, do, you don't just like shove things up there and just store it, you know? Well, and how big do these male authors truly believe they are hung down there? Like, you are not as large as a package, sir, let me tell you. You must have a very inflated <laughs> ego or something. I don't... Beats, beats me, but I'm definitely like, really? Like, how do things work? You know? Yep. Anyway, let's talk scenes then. What were some of your favorites? I loved every single scene, of course, in Evolved Library. I love, I love magical realism. I like the thought that here she is in between life and death, and she gets to go to a library, and she gets to just pull off all these books off the shelves and live these lives that she could have, you know, lived. It reminds me a lot of the Invisible Library. I love anything that throws a library into it. Um, Terry Pratchett, when the librarian, we're talking about that, like, Books are just magic. Ooh. Oh, you didn't read that book yet. I'm like, but there's a library in that book too. Whatever book I just read that I liked and I told you to read it. Whatever it's called. The Inheritance Games? No, uh, they got a library too. But the other book I told you to read that I loved. 
Remember? What was that book I loved? Crap, what was it? By Na- by Naomi um, Novik. Oh, the, sc- the Scalamance series. The one that I've already read, you mean? Yeah, whatever. That has- <laughs> yeah, you know, listen, listen. It's all kind of run together, okay? I don't know. I just can't get over library scenes. I love library scenes. And I love that in this book, we got to travel and go to so many different places. I loved... I loved her standing on stage singing. I thought that was awesome. I loved when she when she stood down that polar bear, you know, like, and she's like, she's got to live a dream of studying whatever it was up north. I can't remember precisely what kind of researcher she was. All the travel, like anything that involved traveling to somewhere different was really cool. What about you, Abby? What were your favorite scenes? Uh, my favorite scenes were also in the library. I love a magical library. And I especially loved this one because you always like picture yourself going into the books you're reading. And that is literally what she was doing. So, I mean, that's, I felt like this was magical realism at its best. And just everything about this magical library was perfect. And I loved it. Yes. I also really liked seeing her go back to her root life at the end and give herself a second chance. I just, I really liked the wrap up of everything. It was, it was nice, wasn't it? Just everything. I think that's something I liked it so much too, because it just, the end was perfect. The book was perfect. I was so happy when the book ended. That's how you know you read a really good book. When you were happy that the book ended, you know, like in a good way where you got that good book high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I was not as affected as a lot of people seem to be by this book. So I definitely wasn't on a book high when I finished it, but I felt satisfied with the ending and everything that happened. So I'm okay with that. You can be satisfied with the ending. Yeah. So least favorite scenes. <sighs> I really basically hated the whole beginning leading up to her suicide. Hated the whole beginning. I can, cannot even like not agree with that. But the ending made me question if I was actually going to read this book or not. Or the ending. Wow. The beginning made me question if I was actually going to read this book or not. Well, you had told me how much you loved it. And so I'm sitting here reading this. And I remember texting you going, Mo, what the hell? I know. <laughs> I know. Trust me. And you were like, I swear, just keep reading. I'm like, this better be worth it. And it was. This is freaking depressing. I know. Trust me. I know. Like the beginning until we got past Dan, I was like, mm-hmm. I want to read this book, you know? Yeah. Dan was a horrible life to start on. <laughs> Just like, because uh, it's all depressing. She commits suicide and then she decides, yes, I want to go see what would happen if I had married my ex fiance who was raining red flags. Like, that's not going to go well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, that was also another one of my least favorite scenes was just her being married to Dan and getting their pub. I was just, I was so annoyed. And I know I was like, if all of these are like this, then. Yes. If the book had continued this way, I would not have finished it. I would just been like, screw this. <laughs> yeah. What was the next life? The swimming one was right afterwards, right? I think so. Yeah. And then, then I was like, oh, 
okay i'm okay with this yeah the swimming life wasn't as bad i was like all right this isn't terrible but man that beginning was rough and i remember ronnie read it first and i was like what the hell is this ronnie and then um i finished it then angie read it and she was like what the hell am i reading (laughs) and then finally elizabeth got the copy and she was like really (laughs) (laughs) and then eventually you read it and i also got the we all had the same reaction the beginning we all (laughs) well yeah seriously you know what i mean it's so depressing (laughs) Nobody wants to read about somebody who's getting ready to commit suicide. No. So, yeah. So, what about you? What other scenes did you not like? So, in the beginning, also in lovely depressing scenes, maybe her first thing when she went back to make sure her cat was alive and she tried to get her cat because her cat died in the beginning. And then she relived another life and her cat still died. Like, I'm like, I'm sorry. So we're going to start this book off with a pet death? Seriously? Like, crash this book. Done with it already. I didn't, there's a few, there's another scene too that I didn't like. I didn't like in the, not musical, what are they called? The singing chapter, we'll call it that. Where she finds out her brother died from an overdose. Mm -hmm. Like, that made me depressed. I was like, awesome. I was like, this is sad. And then um, when she had to leave Ash and Molly because she was being pulled back to the library, I was like, no, no, no. Happily ever after. I want you to end right here in the book, right there. Let her absorb into this life. And then she didn't. And I was like, "Mm." but you know. Yeah, and see, as much as I liked her life with Ash and Molly, I didn't want her to absorb into it because... I agree with her. It felt like she was taking over a life that wasn't hers. And it was too happy of a life to take from somebody else, even if it was technically herself, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was happy that she didn't absorb into that life. I know, but I just, I loved it. I agree. I was very sad, though, that um, we found out her brother had overdosed in the rock star life. Oh, man, that got me. I was like, I'm a sad panda. It's a sad. But yeah, my least favorite. Do you have any other least favorite scenes as well? Or is that it? That was it for me. Okay. Well, our next section is a little bit different. I would like to know what was your favorite and least favorite life that Nora lived? So my favorite life was obviously the one with Ash because it was the happiest. It was comfortable and she was following ambitions that she was enjoying she had a daughter she loved she had a husband who adored her and she just had this really comfortable quiet life my least favorite was the one with Dan because I hated Dan (laughs) and he was trash and I'm very glad she didn't marry him ever what about you I can agree with that I have a few different levels. So my top favorite life is the one with Ash and Molly. I loved it. Uh, I guess I just like the quaint, sequential life that you just end up living. I loved when she was singing on stage with her band. I thought that was great. Like, I kind of felt 
that performance high that you get and all that adrenaline, like it kind it really seeped really well through the book. And then my third favorite was definitely her on the research trip and staring down that polar bear and going, holy crap, there is a polar bear charging me. What am I going to do? You know? Mm-hmm. But and then my least favorite, even though I loved the band life one, it was still my least favorite because she lost her brother for the price of fame. Like, I know, like, you went with Dan because that was pretty much the shittiest. I agree. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she got to live this dream, but she didn't get to live the dream with the person that really helped make it reality, you know? Yeah. But yeah. So, Abby, tell me your final thoughts. How many stars would you give this book? So, I gave this book four stars. For me, four stars is a, I liked it. I enjoyed reading this book. Like I said, I didn't get lost in it and just like adore it like so many people have. But it was definitely a good read that was very easy to, it was a very easy read. Like the writing style made it easy to read. And it was just not incredibly moving for me, but it was definitely well written and I enjoyed it. So what about you? For me, this is a 4.5 out of 5. Like I think on Goodreads, I put it as a 5. Like I loved it. It was engrossing it was different i ate it all up and i was like this is so cool um i loved i loved the book of regrets i loved that she got to live through all these lives and live through her regrets and then she's like i want to go back to my real life i want to live like even though i lived through all of these other experiences i still want to live my initial life and I, and you can still get a second chance and make it how you want to be. And so like that also, you know, this whole story was very much a coming to age story for me. You know, we had so much character growth from Nora in the beginning to Nora at the end. And I love those journeys. I love when you get to see transformation in a character. And I think that's what got me really into this book. I can see that. And see, I was just so annoyed by Nora for so long in the beginning that I was glad that she turned everything around. But I was like, I'm not really a fan, Nora. I understand that. I let me tell you. And the beginning was rough. Like, that's what takes away my five out of five. Yeah. I am glad that you read it. I'm glad that I read it. And I think it was great. Yes. And thank you to our patron, Ronnie, for choosing this episode. Did she? Cool. Yes. This is our Patreon episode <laughs> for it next is? month. So, obviously, I'm like real hip into this sometimes. Like, I really am just, I'm a dit sometimes. It's okay. It happens. All right. Well, that is it for tonight, and we are so glad that you came and joined us. And once again, we'll see you next week. Back to you next week, guys. Bye. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use, or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. 
You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks like access to our mini-series, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.